right, well, welcome to another Zero Issue podcast. Now, this isn't how the format is going to go uh, for most of these. And I say Zero Issue because if you remember when Image Comics started, they would do sort of Zero Issues or .5 issues that were a prequel to how things were going to be. So I do want to share stories, being that this is a personal blog podcast, uh, that you possibly may relate to. Maybe you feel better about yourself because you're not the only one that's gone through these situations. But as I think of these things, let's have a beer and, and think about these uh, issues and topics together. And it may be sort of a, you know, internet therapy for, for all of us. So I'm watching this show, uh, Man With A Plan. Uh, it's got Joey from Friends, Matt LeBlanc, and typical family sitcom. It's hilarious, but there was an episode that sort of spoke to me. Uh, His wife had a cruel nickname, and it was something that haunted her, shaped her, turned her into the person that she became, but she was still pretty resentful and pretty upset by the events that happened. And honestly, I don't blame her. So... That's something that I want to talk about. This episode is primarily going to be about uh, bullying and being picked on and the effects that it has on the person. Now, you you may be a bully. You may like to make fun of people. I love to make fun of people. I, I think it's hilarious. But there's a difference in bullying versus roasting. You know, you roast your friends. You bully somebody you don't know or that you don't like, and sometimes it, it's funny to a select group of people, but certainly not to the person that you're doing it to. So, uh, here's a little backstory. Um, if anybody knows me personally or have ever seen me, I'm definitely not the person or the kid that you would have imagined. Uh, you probably would have thought that maybe you know, being that I'm a large person, big, bald, long beard, biker looking, tough guy sort of type. Yeah, that's the stereotype I get all the time. Uh, You probably would think that I was probably a little short, chubby kid that, uh, you know, was probably picking his nose, flinging it at people, sneaking beers into class, and I was the bully, and it's completely the opposite, actually. I I was the skinny little redhead in a uh, school district that was uh, primarily filled with minorities, which that word in itself could be a whole episode to me, because I don't understand being only one of three white kids in a school how everyone else got to call themselves the min- the minority, even though there literally was only other two other people that looked like me in the school. But again, I don't need to go off on that. Um, so I, I was this skinny kid. I, I At one point in my childhood uh, had been told by the doctor that I needed to eat ice cream to bulk up, which is hilarious now being, you know, 6'1 and 284 pounds. Um, but being a redhead also made me stand out. So, you know, when I'm around family, when I'm around my mom and, you know, things like that, when I'm in my element and I'm at home and I'm around my toys, my animals, whatever it was, I was fine. Everything was good. In my own world, life was great. I had a wonderful upbringing, a mom that did absolutely everything for me, and I never knew any of the problems that supposedly we were going through or whatnot, and I think in some ways that kept me from sharing my problems to my mom and my family that I was going through in school because I left it all at school once I was done. So what a lot of my family members and a lot of my friends and people still really don't even know is that I was picked on something terrible and not in a good way. Um, and it wasn't just the quote unquote minorities that were doing it. The other two white kids were doing it. Uh, it just seemed like I was that kid that nobody liked. And we're talking elementary school. I would get called names. I would, uh, have my stuff stolen or 
apparently, you know, growing up as a kid in the 80s, it was a status quo that you had to have Nikes or, you know, the newest Transformer or something like that. And if you couldn't show those things off, they would make fun of you. And I remember one specific time, I actually did get a pair of brand new Nikes. And it was something that was really cool to me because I finally got to be one of the cool kids and show them off. And first thing that happened is they laughed at me because apparently I had picked a pair of Andre Agassi's instead of Michael Jordan's. Well, I wanted the Agassiz. They were cool. They had like orange and black lava flames on the side. But because I didn't get the one that the rappers were talking about or wearing in their videos, they made fun of me. So what they do, they pinned me down and they stepped on my shoes, my brand new shoes, and they scuffed them. Uh, or they would make fun of me for being the poor kid, even though I, I was far from it. And uh, they would just constantly call me this the, the the poor white kid for some reason i think they were trying to make themselves feel better about themselves for some reason now that i think about it as an adult i wish i could even go back and ask them like why would you call me the poor kid when like seven of y'all are in a house that's falling apart and i'm in a nice house with family that actually loves me that's got to be weird right but things started to change and i guess i developed a little earlier than some of the other kids because it wasn't that I was starting to get taller, but there was something about me where girls started paying attention to me. And that's going to be the bulk of my podcast later on is all the hilarious things of my dating life. I mean, it's just, you would not believe some of the shit that I've gone through and dealt with. I mean, th that's really why I wanted to create this is to share hilarious stories and not these sorrowful things. But to me, this helps me get these things off my chest and let people know that I wasn't always the cool kid because well, I, ne I never was. I was the cool adult, but yeah, as childhood away from my home was terrible. I used to get held down by the other kids and punched repeatedly. Uh, and for no good reason. I mean, just because I had red hair, talk about stereotypes, talk about, uh, you know, people feeling like they're being judged for the color of their skin and things like that. I, I thought I, I was a part of that group. I didn't know I was, wasn't allowed to claim that, but yeah, because I had red hair and I was white, I got beat up a lot. That That's, that's gotta be weird. So I, I do understand when people are saying they don't like to be stereotyped, but anyway, back to the girls thing, the girls were taking notice to me and they started wanting to hang out with me. So you know, being a kid in the 80s, they're like, uh, back then, if they called you gay, that was a derogatory thing. Like, oh, you're gay, you're hanging out with girls. And I'm like, well, the girls are nicer. We can draw, we can color, uh, we can talk about cartoons, and I don't have to pretend to be a, a slap-in-the-ass football jock macho type. Uh, and then I kind of realized something. Because uh, I didn't have a dad growing up, I was raised by my mom and had primarily females in my family. I understood women and, you know, this is just a kid and we're not to that point yet uh, in high school where I understood women more than I should have. But even in elementary school, I understood women and liked hanging out with girls more. So when you would see me at recess, I was playing wall ball or four square with the girls. And then the guys would get jealous and they would come up and they'd knock me over. I can still hear the sound of a dodgeball hitting the back of my head. Um, kind of hard to dodge those things when they're, you know, you don't know that they're coming. And then I never did sports. So when it came to be my turn to retaliate, I would just haul off and I'd fling the ball as hard as I could. And it would end up like going to the moon and never actually hit anybody. You know, I wanted to peg the little fuckers in the head, but it didn't happen. Um, so it started irritating me more the older I got. So these things were happening even as early as, uh, kindergarten and preschool. And then finally, I want to say it was about fourth grade. I started to have enough and I decided, you know, this, this is time to fight back. It's time to stand my ground. I think I saw it on a cartoon or a TV show where they said, you have to stand up for yourself. 
I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I was about to find out. So for those of you that aren't in your late 30s, early 40s, let me give you a little idea of what it was like to grow up in the 80s. Um, you were pretty much taught to be a womanizer, to be successful and wear uh, padded blazers in the shoulders and be an alcoholic, do lines of coke and steroids so you can bulk up and watch sports, uh, fight with your friends and get a muscle car. And if you didn't have all of those things working in your favor, you were pretty much a loser and you were made fun of. And one of the things, now none of those applied to being a kid in an elementary school, obviously, but one of the things that did apply was, this was a phrase that was often used, man up. It was time to man up. I had been picked on enough and it was time to man up. So what I thought that meant was take swings, start punching people and start being the bully that they were to get onto their level. Now, I had no idea that being a bully actually took talent. I had no idea. So I remember specifically one time uh, I had my Game Boy in my pocket and one of the kids kept saying, I want to see your Game Boy. And I knew full well he was going to take it and smash it on the ground. And it was one of those things that I knew I couldn't replace. I knew there was nothing I could do to save this. I was about to lose my Game Boy. And when he reached for the pocket, I wildly flung my arms and I spun him away from me. But then I didn't stop right there. I had that moment from uh, Christmas Story where I just went after the kid. Unfortunately, though, it didn't happen like it does in A Christmas Story as much as I would have loved it to. Uh, I didn't full-on Luthez press the dude into the ground and start mounting him like a UFC fighter because, you know, that wasn't what you did back then. That's only popular now because of MMA and UFC. But uh, I took the biggest swing I possibly could, missed the dude, and landed flat on my ass. Uh, and I thought I broke my own Game Boy. And so what I do? I start crying. It didn't help my case. And I thought, you know, and that made me even more mad. They made me more angry. And there were little instances like that all the time. Uh, you know, I would show up late for school. Everyone's standing out in line. For some reason, I don't remember why, in growing up in Tacoma, where it rains all the time, before class, you would have to stand outside and wait until your teacher let you in and you had to line up, which is, now that I think about it, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. But I remember one time, I was a little late, rushing up to the line, and I kind of slipped in the ice, and the school bully, one of the other white kids, uh, he he started laughing at me. And instead of crying this time, I immediately went to him, and uh, I, I took another swing, I think I barely clipped him in the chin, but it was, it was a sure miss, like it was a lucky sort of thing. And this dude, you know, probably had an older brother, and uh, he grabbed me by the neck with both hands, tilted my neck backwards, and slammed my head into the concrete. Um, and I, it started bleeding, like I started crying because I thought I was dying. Um, we both went to the principal's office, kids are chanting you know, fight, fight, fight. They're all excited about it. You get to the principal's office and the principal makes us uh, make up with each other and shake hands, which is apparently what you did to quote unquote man up. And he lets the bully go. You want to know what happened to me? I got pulled into the other room. I had to pull my pants down because this is something else that happened in the 80s. I had to bend over, and they took the paddle, and they whacked the shit out of my ass. Imagine being a fourth, fifth grader, and you have to go through a humiliating process like that. Now I started hating people in power. Now I started hating authority, because even though I was the one that had been picked on, because I threw the first punch, I was in the wrong 
And even though I got the worst of it and got my head slammed into the ground and was bleeding, I got spanked with a paddle. They don't do that anymore. You know, that this... Uh, Kids these days, I finally am old enough to where I can take comfort in knowing that they don't have to go through what a lot of us did. In fact, uh, I would start to get spanked with a paddle more often at school. Uh, I would throw rocks at the train uh, that would go back. I mean, just to see if I could pay it. What's that going to do? Well, the school monitor saw that, took me to the principal's office, and guess what happened? One more time, I got smacked with the damn paddle. And I would love to find those principles now and beat them. But that wouldn't do any good. It really wouldn't. It would make me feel better. I would feel better. But apparently that's not what you do. You know, you can't see me shrugging right now, but I, I'd be making a face like, eh. I guess that's not what happens. So I couldn't fight. I couldn't throw a punch. I didn't know what to do, and it... Every didn't matter what I did. If I hung out with the black kids and they taught me how to rap, I would get in trouble and sent to the principal's office for cussing. If I hung out with the white kids, they were talking about sports and Steve Largent and Brian Bosworth, and I never watched sports. It just wasn't my thing. So I couldn't hang out with them. So I started hanging out with the girls. They were the only ones that accepted me. And, and, you know, that, that lasted all the way through high school. Most of my friends throughout my entire life have all been women. And I started getting to that age where I was liking girls and like wanting to hold their hands, explore the whole kissing thing, uh, maybe start asking them out and girlfriends. And I would go through the uh, school directory which is like a little phone book. They don't have those. Maybe that's email. I don't know. I don't have kids. I don't know how the fuck these things work these days. I would start going through the directory and I would call all these girls. Hey, do you want to be my uh, girlfriend? No. Hey, do you want to be my girlfriend? No. Because I didn't understand. I didn't have anyone to coach me. I didn't have a bigger brother or anything like that to let me know, hey, you know, this is how you court a girl. This is how you become friends with them. And I had to learn all this stuff on my own. Um, but now here's the funny thing. You would think the little skinny kid who was actually compassionate, empathetic, an artist who had all these endearing qualities that girls would like uh, would actually make him more popular. And it made the guys hate me more. And it gave them more of a reason to uh, pick on me and, and want to fight with me. So I knew punching people in the face wasn't going to work, but I remember this was one particular instance that uh, I liked a girl and I told somebody that I thought was a friend that I liked her and, and that I was going to ask her out on the next recess. And asking her out obviously meant like, hey, I'm going to share my cookies with you. You know, something like that. And uh, that little douchebag went up and told her. So she had the embarrassing moment of having to walk up. And, you know, girls are always like 10 years ahead of guys. And she had to, quote unquote, talk with me. She's like, look, I'm not allowed to date. We're too young. It's not going to happen. I just don't like you like that. We may hang out at lunch, but that's not uh, what we are. And I'm in like fifth, fifth grade. No, actually, this was sixth grade now. And I'm like not understanding at all what's going on. The only thing that's happening in my mind was that dude ratted me out. So I knew punching in the face wasn't working because no one ever taught me how to punch, first of all. So I went up and I punched the dude as hard as I could in the stomach. And he actually lost wind. I felt a little good. And as he reared up, bam, black eye. Popped me right in the face. And then it started getting out that I liked to fight. And got to remember in the 80s now, Karate Kid and Bloodsport and all these things. All the other kids got put into karate and, you know, jujitsu wasn't even a thing. I mean, it was, but it hadn't hit the popularity in America that it would in the 2000s. Um, and so I tried to take judo classes. Uh, judo don't teach you how to punch and kick. Judo teaches you how to fall. That was one thing I was real good at, so at least I knew now how to fall once I got thrown around and beat up. 
couldn't block for shit, couldn't throw punches for shit, and I could throw someone if I got them in a side-to-side hug position, but how often do you do that with your enemy? Then it got to the point where even the tomboys, uh, the girls that were practicing karate, I'd go up and ask them out, not understanding what was going on or that they were at the point. I didn't know that girls liked girls or anything because, again, gay was what British people said to mean that they were happy and that uh, it, it was a derogatory term. Kind of like retarded. You know, I guess you're not allowed to say either one of those anymore. But uh, I had no idea that girls liked girls. Went up and asked this girl out. And that bitch roundhouse kicked me in the sternum. <laughs> like, how do you have that aim? I lost wind and couldn't breathe for, God, it seemed like days. But it really was like, you know, half hour. I went back and I told the teacher and she got in trouble. Damn sure guarantee she didn't get her pants pulled down and whapped with a fucking paddle. But I sat out in the hallway gasping for air. So, yeah, not the greatest childhood when it came to schooling, all right? So, in sixth grade, that really was my turning point. I had had enough of people's shit that I started talking back. And even so much so that I was even rebelling against family. I remember one time my mom wouldn't uh, let me trade a particular G.I. Joe for another G.I. Joe and I got mad and threw a book across the room, and it was the first time that I'd ever lashed out at family. I still feel bad about that. But then it didn't stop there. I started badmouthing my teachers because these dumbasses were sending me to the principal's office to get spanked with a wooden paddle. I mean, that's child abuse. If all these things that I'm telling you, I, you know, there's probably a lot of. Uh, Internet psychiatrists out there going, my God, this kid's going to turn into a serial killer. Well, I guess the weak-willed ones did, honestly. Uh, well, you know, we'll get into things like that later. No, I'm not a serial killer and never entertain the thought. But uh, there are correlations between those things that I find particularly interesting. So I couldn't fight. I didn't have any outlet to get the bullies to get away from me. And there was a particular role model that I discovered through one of my only childhood friends, uh, a Filipino kid that would let me go over to his house and his family taught me culture and uh, his big brother was kind of cool and we traded G.I. Joes and he, uh, he gave me a Garfield book and Garfield pretty much saved me. Uh, so if there's anyone way too young to know who the fuck Garfield is, just unfriend me now. Uh, but Garfield was the original grumpy cat, the orange fat cat that loved food, but had a dark sense of humor, loved Odie, but would still kind of pick on him, but do it more in a roasting way. And I started learning humor by uh, reading Garfield comics. And then I realized even better, I didn't have to buy the books, that they were in the newspapers. So I started reading and drawing Garfield cartoons. And that is really what would turn my life around and really what would make me be the person that I am today. So Jim Davis, thank you for that. Um, I, I really do have to give a lot to Garfield. Um, now, that's kind of funny because most people are like, oh, I turned my life to God. I, I did this. No, nah, you know what happened when I turned my life to God and went to church? They picked on me. No shit. I would go to camp as a kid. This is the same era that I'm in elementary school up until sixth grade. The pastors would pick on me. The kids would pick on me. The pastor's kids would pick on me. I'd go to sleep, feel something squiggling in my bed, and the bastards put a garter snake in my bed. And you got to remember, I was afraid of everything as a kid, not just because I was being picked on, but even as a, a baby up till four years old. I hated loud noises. I hated balloons. Uh, women scared the shit out of me uh, just because they had a higher pitched voice. They were louder and I didn't understand them. And 
Uh, I was afraid of Muppets, and for some strange reason, I was terrified of trains. There were lots of videos of trains, you know, coming through doors. I would open the door to my front uh, house and expect to see a train coming through, or even my closet. I'd open the closet door and expect a train to plow through. That's how terrified I was of everything as a kid, and I had night terrors. I mean, I could go on and on about paranormal experiences as a kid, and uh, things that I discovered through night terrors. And man, it just, whew, it, it was crazy. It really was. Even just thinking about it, you can tell me just blurting through all that, that that is quite a memory to have. But yeah, you would think a church would be the place that I would go to for comfort. And everyone says, God save them. Bullshit. That was probably the worst experience ever. That also is another podcast for later. This is all wonderful for me to get all this off my chest because I can look back now and laugh at it, even though it's not in any way, shape, or form fucking funny in the least. Huh, deep breath. But sixth grade was a changing point for me, and I did start rebelling, and I started um, talking back Uh my sixth grade teacher, now this is, this is something real personal, but I'm sure a lot of people have gone through these things. Um, my sixth grade teacher, I, I can almost guarantee she would have been one of the people that were arrested for uh, child molestation or something like that because she would sit us down on the ground for story time place me right in front of her, cross her legs, and there would be bush. Like, I would literally have to see that she was not wearing underwear. Uh, she would, we would raise salmon from eggs in the aquarium and then siphon them into a bucket and then go release them in the wild. And she would take the hose like you would suck the uh, fluid out of, uh, like if you were siphoning gas, she would look at the kids and try and make eye contact and like pretend that she was sucking a dick while she was trying to get the water and the salmon out of the aquarium into these, you know, five gallon buckets. And, you know, she was one of those very touchy feely teachers, you know, rub your shoulders, ask how you're doing, have you stay for extra credit. I mean, all these things, man, it's just crazy. And I knew she was a predator and a bully of a different sort. And, she, I don't even remember the situation, but I had half enough of her shit. And it was an instance where I was either held after school for some reason in detention or in trouble. And I walked out of the classroom and she chased me. And uh, she grabbed my arm, which is also something you can't do anymore. And I turned around, slapped her in the titty and told her to shut the fuck up. In those exact words. And yes, I did slap her in the goddamn titty. Uh, I, again, my aim was really off. I w didn't try and punch her in the face, but I just kind of flung my arms to get her away from me. And it just so happened that, well, that's where it landed. Uh, and then I went in the boy's bathroom because I thought that was the only safe place that I could go to where she couldn't follow me. And then what did she do? She <laughs> called the principal, called my mom, told me that I cussed her out. And I said the F word and that I got in trouble and I couldn't tell anyone why I couldn't at that point express that I was afraid uh, for my sexual safety or my personal safety. Because again, I go back to what I said earlier, you quote unquote man up and you just take it. You just do it. And what male ever gets to claim sexual harassment. It's unheard of. It, it just, it doesn't happen. So, uh, my mom started learning and seeing a lot of these problems that were going on, and she blamed the school. She had it out with the principal. They actually changed the policies. You weren't allowed to spank kids anymore. And uh, she got me out of that school district and moved me into another one, uh, which, unfortunately, Fortunately and fortunately was uh, primarily white and a rich kid school, a ritzy school. Now, I say unfortunately because I didn't know how to act around other white kids. 
And you can probably tell by the way that I talk and the way that I act in some of these stories. Like, there's a little ghetto that comes out every now and then. And it's just because, I I, I don't know, th- those were the friends that I had. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we all have friends of color. I was the friend of color to them. So it is what it is, right? So we moved to a new area. I leave the life behind. And I couldn't be more excited because it's a chance for me to start over and not have to deal with my past or getting picked on. I could be anyone I wanted to be, and I was growing up. And by seventh grade, ooh, I was taller than most of my teachers. I started bulking out a little bit. Um, and, you know, being a wrestling fan, I was growing my hair out. I had the most glorious of mullets. Um, I always wanted to be Shawn Michaels, you know, with the sort of uh, bang-riddled top half of your hair, but then the long, long, blonde, curly hair or wavy hair in the back. And uh, I get to this new school district, and I'm, I'm excited. And for the most part, it... That I have fond memories of school, and it starts in seventh grade. It it really does. Once I got big enough, a lot of the kids stopped picking on me. But unfortunately, there were still a few. And I just, I had had enough. So I refused to be the new kid on the block, which, you know, was a band back then. And uh, I refused to get picked on. So when the tough sports kid would say, don't put your backpack there, it's too close to mine. I got a brand new set of Oakleys in there. Uh, I would wait till he would turn around. I'd reach in his bag and I'd break them fuckers. And it felt good. I won't lie. I, I liked it. And he threatened me a couple of times. But by that point, I was growing up and I, I got smart. He would say, let's meet outside. We're going to have a fight. And I'd be standing there and I'd wait for him. And he'd come out and he would bring his two or three friends because they were going to beat me down. They don't realize that I had already told the school security and he was standing there in the bushes waiting. And as the kids got too close, came out, stopped them. And I just stood there. Now That didn't make me a a pussy or a wuss. Uh, It meant that I was smarter and I didn't want to fight anymore, but I did sort of like being a little bit of a bully. Um, I would have this chubby kid constantly throwing things at me in science class and he would tilt his chair back. I used to love doing that. I don't know why nobody does this anymore, but tilt your chair back to where you're just rocking on the back two legs. And he would do that while he was throwing shit at me. And I just remember one time I, had enough, reached down, grabbed one of those chair legs, flipped it up in the air, spun him a couple times, and he landed, and I was like, holy shit, I'm starting to get stronger, I'm starting to get bigger, and then I called him the Korean tornado, and it was funny, and all the other kids laughed at him, and now, as an adult, I look back, and I'm thinking, man, maybe this kid now harbors bad feelings, because I gave him a nickname, and he hates my guts, and I gave him emotional distress because of it. Uh, who knows? I, I don't know. Um, and then I started getting into music, and there was this younger classman that every time I would bend over, he thought it was funny to make fart sounds. Well, I, I was a tuba player, and you don't make fart sounds behind a guy that has the largest locker in band. So I picked that little shit up and I put him in the locker and I locked it. And it was hilarious. I laughed. I still laughed about that to this day. And, you know, things like that, I didn't, I wasn't punching anyone. Uh, You know, in the case of the Oakleys, I did damage property, but it wasn't like I was doing what other kids had done to me. I wasn't, you know, tying them to a tree and punching them in the nuts like what would happen to me. Uh, I, I wasn't hurting or breaking anything uh physically on them it was just more of a look i know what you're doing don't mess with me sort of thing yet kids were still trying to do that to me i remember in pe in seventh grade uh a kid from band got sick of my shit 
and stabbed me with his uh, mouthpiece from a trumpet. And the scariest thing that I had ever done was I learned it's what you don't do that scares people the most. And by that time, I was a huge fan of The Undertaker. And I would roll my eyes back or I would snap my head around and stare him right in the eyes, look at him like I was about to murder them, even though I wouldn't and I didn't. But that scared the shit out of people. So dude just stabbed me with a trumpet uh, mouthpiece. And I turned around and looked at him and he ran screaming. And I liked it. I didn't have to hurt anyone. I didn't have to feel bad for the things that I was doing. But I let people know to stop messing with me. And I started commanding a presence by the things that I wasn't doing. So I... You know, I I was uh, standing up for myself in a different way. And again, being popular with girls and uh, things, it started getting the attention of particular girls. And one day, the phone calls started coming to me. You know, I'd be sick and take a couple days off from school, and then the most popular girl in class would call me and ask how I was doing. And then when I would recognize her voice and say, hey, is this so-and-so? And she'd hang up on me and get totally nervous because, you know, the richest girl in school can't be seen with, the, you know, the, the new kid. But it started to make me feel good that they actually were paying attention to me for once. And so I started becoming a character and Encino Man was out. Wrestling was my favorite thing. I loved neon, so I started ripping my sleeves off of everything, and I started becoming a character. And by the time I hit high school, I had a full beard and long hair. I looked like a Viking. Well, you would never guess that our school mascot was actually the Vikings. And now being a cheerleader was something that guys would get picked on for. But being a real Viking of Norwegian heritage and Irish heritage and getting to hang out with girls all the time didn't seem like too much of a a terrible idea. So I became pretty popular because I became a character and I didn't have to fight anyone anymore. I realized that no matter what had happened to me, I became something cooler by the things that I didn't do. So in other words, Somebody who is really good at fighting isn't going to tell you that. Someone who's really uh, talented at something doesn't have to tell you. You're just going to know. They're going to show it in other ways. The guy that comes up and tells you he has a big dick, he doesn't. He's compensating for a little one. He just wants you to think that he does. You know, so it's, it's that sort of scenario and situation. And I really started digging this new outlook and this new experience. I mean, it got so cool that by the end of my senior year, I graduated probably, uh, I I would even dare say, one of the more popular kids in, in school. And it was a huge and wonderful ego boost because I needed that. You know, of anybody, I needed that, uh, especially being picked on as I as much as I was. Uh, and it got so cool that, you know, my yearbook, the entire back page of my yearbook was lipstick kisses. Uh, Girls, you know, and I I egged them on to do this, but uh, it wasn't like they were throwing themselves at me, but uh, I, you know, give them my yearbook and they'd see two or three others had done it and they'd put on their lipstick and they'd kiss my yearbook. I still got it. I still look at it every now and then like, dang, how cool is that, man? You know, it was, it was, it was a good experience. I have fond memories of junior high and high school because I'd finally gotten rid of all my fears. I came to terms with being picked on and I became a cool character and people started to like me. And then we graduated and this wasn't in a time or an era of uh, Facebook or connectivity in any way, shape or form. And I, for the most part, never saw any of those people again. Uh, And then went to college and just backfired. Everything that I had learned, it all backfired. So here I am, I get accepted to a private university, really expensive school, um, 
it was one of those things that it was definitely going to be a calling card that I got to graduate from uh, this particular university. And it was a complete waste of time. Uh, I didn't have a single girlfriend or a long-lasting relationship or a friendship even. Uh, I went in off of the high from high school, being the most popular kid, to being a nobody again. And when I showed up the first day with all of my neon shirts with the sleeves cut off and all of my artwork and talking in sort of a surfer San Diego slang, even though I've never surfed my entire life, uh, everyone looked at me like I was dumb. Like I had a mental illness. So the cockiness, you know, I got, I got beat down for sure with that. Um, and things all of a sudden weren't as cool anymore. Uh, you know, growing up in Seattle and Tacoma in the nineties, it went from Pantera and Skid Row to depressing Nirvana, Alice in Chains and Soundgarden literally overnight. And then by the time I hit college, it went from depressing grunge flannel wearing uh, what is now considered hipsters, I suppose, uh, to rap rock with like the baggy pants, gang wannabe, uh, Limp Biscuit, Slipknot, no guitar solos anywhere kind of BS music. And it just, I didn't fit in. There was nothing about that that I liked. You know, I had my own car, I lived off campus, I got to do anything that I wanted to, but at that point, people, they wanted nothing but, you know, pussy and beer. And I just, I had girlfriends in high school, and then, you know, I'll admit it, I, I was celibate all through college. And I thought, you know what, uh, I'm going to go back into the church and... I'm going to do for the church what the church never did for me. So uh, I started becoming uh, a musician for the church and playing around at different places and becoming known doing that. So I really didn't do anything with college that got me known. What I was known for was touring all the way up to uh, Alberta, uh, Canada, and uh you know, everything up on down the West Coast through Oregon, even spots in California, being part of a worship team. And I would, uh, I, I was sort of a role model, but it was a real weird time because here I am, 2021, 20, and all these 13 through 15 year old girls are swooning over me, and 16 year old guy friends want to play video games and I I can't I wasn't allowed to obviously for obvious reasons I didn't even want to but you know what I'm saying like uh it was a real t hard time for me to have friends because I was in that real strange age group between the adults and the kids being too young I just I didn't fit in uh and you know this is again another thing to talk about later, but lo and behold, that church setting and scenario wouldn't last either. And uh, that would be probably my last ditched effort and things where I just, I gave up on the whole church idea. And back in college, uh, some of these certain scenarios were presenting themselves again. And I'm not talking about the fighting because now I could be arrested and try it as an adult and I was smart enough to realize that I couldn't be a bully and punch anyone anymore. Uh, and I don't even remember what the instance was. I think that it may have been voluntary where we got counseling just as part of uh, one of our classes. But I signed up for anger management because I really wanted to know how to improve and let things go and become a better person. And I went into my first session sat down and I'm thinking, oh, this is great. I'm going to get a lot of things off my chest. And it was, uh, now I find out now, I didn't know then, but she was just a, a practicing intern from another university, you know, in her master's degree. So she was only like four or five years older than me. And her words were, get over it. I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean, get over it? 
Yeah, like, bitch, you just put your thumb on the top of a, a Coke bottle and shook it. I'm about to explode just for the fact that you told me to get over it. What do you mean, get over it? That's the dumbest thing you can tell somebody with anger issues as it is. Uh, needless to say, that didn't last. College was a waste. I started getting angrier and angrier because I didn't get that recognition. I didn't have anyone thinking that I was cool, and I wasn't. I didn't have any friends. It just, it it, it wasn't something that was going to benefit my life. And I was also struggling because I had started to bald. I was losing my hair, um, it, which was my pride and joy. I still had a long beard, but um, there's just a lot of blows to my ego and self-esteem. And I couldn't be a bully anymore, so I was just like, you know what? I'm over it. And my family, we decided that once I graduated college, there was no reason to stay in Washington. So we moved to Nevada. And man, did it all go downhill from there. So moving to Nevada gave me yet another chance to make up a new character and change my way of thinking, start fresh, and it's not that I can run from my problems, it's that when I've exhausted all the possibilities of an area or of a scenario, I move on because my my biggest uh, thing is I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to uh, wake up one day and wish, man, I would, wish I would have done this or that. And, um, you know, thankfully I've had a, a wonderful life that continues to surprise me every day. Um so when I moved to Nevada, ah, uh, man, you know, um, being an adult in your early 20s, now mid-20s, it's weird when you go to a town that is purely alcoholic and uh, riddled with gambling, prostitution, drugs, and that sort of thing, none of which I was interested in. Uh, I, I just... I, I didn't drink. I wasn't even dating anyone. College was a huge bust. I thought, if anything, I, I honestly, in some weird daydream, thought because of the worship team and the church group that I was in, I was going to meet my bride-to-be in Canada, and we were going to live in the Yukon somewhere, disappear, and, you know, that obviously never happened. Uh, so I moved to Nevada, and this will be something that I could talk about again, where I always try and do the right thing and it doesn't quite work out. It seems that for one reason or another, after I had a few changing points in my life, that whenever I focused on debauchery as opposed to doing the right thing, I would always succeed. So I had the real jobs. I had the suit and tie jobs. I had a fresh degree. I tried getting into casino, graphic design. None of those things were working. And uh, it just, I was tired. I was lonely. I was bored and decided, you know, uh, screw it. I'm just going to join, you know, the rest of the world, do what they do start drinking, going to bars, and man, it, you know, it, it was it was fun, actually. I loved it. Um, but as with everything, you know, bullying would come around. I changed my character. Uh, you know, it's real weird for a, a balding, hairy guy with hairy arms uh, to, and, and even, not that I have bad teeth, but it looks like I have natural werewolf fangs. So, I came up with a gimmick like a wrestler would where I was a werewolf that started explaining this stuff. And that was something I learned from being a kid. You couldn't make fun of me if I made fun of myself. So because of Garfield and my dark humor, I was making fun of myself and I became a werewolf. So if somebody made fun of my arm hair... Uh, and I'm not talking like my forearm. I mean, I had like full on Afghan throw rug going on on my upper arms. Um, and I would just tell them, oh, I'm a werewolf. And then they would laugh at me and I'd give them the undertaker look and they'd kind of run away. But then 
oddly enough, some girls would like that. You know, it was a real weird time where metrosexuals and lumbersexuals, where there was a dichotomy between the two of them. So they either wanted the pretty boy with abs and, you know, shaved like a wet seal, or they wanted someone that was a manly man. But <laughs> I, would, I mean, I could change a tire, but I can't change oil. I knew how to shave, but I didn't want to. I could grow a beard, but never played football. You see what I mean? Like I looked like something that I wasn't. So it was just, it was just weird. And a lot of those things just became, uh, odd when I started playing music because I would often portray the biker character and then I would get in fights and still not know how to fight. And, uh, you know, things would happen. And if I couldn't talk my way out of a situation, I was screwed. So I started learning martial arts. I started learning things so that I could defend myself because bullies are always going to be there. People are always going to say dumb shit and you just got to learn to deal with it and move on. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of things that we could prevent. So this will be something that I'll, I'll segue into later on, but you got to understand the people that you pick on probably are going to have some sort of uh, depression. They're going to become loners. They're going to have uh, antisocial, suicidal thoughts. Uh, some in the worst extreme cases become serial killers or uh, mass shooters. I guess that's the buzzword people do these days. Um and that's not to say that it's deserved, but it could probably, in half of those instances, been prevented had someone just been nice to those people. But, you know, and a lot of people aren't as strong as I am. They didn't survive the things that I'd gone through, and uh, they weren't able to handle it. And, you know, unfortunately, things like that happen. That's the reality of the world that we live in. Uh, but... It always haunts me the things that I have gone through and survived. And there's days where I laugh at it. And then there's days where I want to look those people up and let them have it. You know, verbally, obviously, because I can't make physical threats as an adult. But then I would get into a little bit of trouble once I moved to Vegas. So this isn't the part that I'm too proud of, even though it was extremely fun. I got a lot away with some really bad shit when I moved to Vegas because now not only could I talk my way out of a situation, I had learned self-defense. I had learned to take care of myself, but there were days when I would drink and I would remember all the dumb shit people would do to me and I would want to take it out on somebody. So naturally I got a job as a bouncer and man did I do some really shady deplorable shit I have drugged people off bars I have taken six foot six cowboys by the wrist yanked them off their bar stool and literally drug them on their back through the bar to show everyone that I am not to be messed with I have taken people's IDs and thrown them on the roof for bad mouthing me I've had people try to uh, choke me out or defend themselves and I got one hand around their throat and my pinky in their ear ready to pop an eardrum. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I realized I was becoming a really, really, really bad person. And like I say, when I was doing it, it was fun. We ran a crew that if you saw one of us around town, holy hell, you better go the other way. I mean, we were almost like our own gang at, at one point. And uh, it it got pretty, pretty vile. But for someone that had been picked on their entire life, I at the time felt good about it. Now, eh, not so much. Now, granted, 99% of them... Uh, I never picked on anyone that didn't deserve it. I never beat anyone up that didn't deserve it because you got to understand when people come to Vegas, they're looking to get away with something and they're looking to be an absolute douchebag. So they're looking for a fight and I just, I gave it to them and they lost every time. Um, so, you know, I sit back and I look at it now and this is only, you know, 
a couple years ago, honestly. I look at it now like, first of all, I don't know how I didn't get arrested. And second of all, man, that's not an example that I needed to, uh, you know, show others because there was a point I was trying to be a role model. I remember even when I would go through the church groups, I would show up and I'd have my glasses on and my long beard and my long blonde hair and I'd walk up and I'd talk real tough on the mic and I would tell all the kids that were getting picked on like, you know, look at me, I was picked on, I was the skinny kid, and look at what I became, I became the the tough guy, I became the man, but I never had to use my power against anyone, and then I didn't even take my own advice, I became the bully that I hated and despised, and I'm seeing that happen with a lot of you. So we are now ending this podcast with final thoughts here. Uh, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what political side you're on. You're fighting and you're bullying people and stereotyping them for people's beliefs. I've never seen a bunch of deplorable idiots make fun of other people than I have the extremists on both sides of the political party. And it's absolutely uncalled for because all it's going to do is cause the weak-minded to start riots and protests. And it's going to make the strong-willed people that more aggressive and angry so that if something even in a minor sense happens, they're going to retaliate in an extreme sense. And everybody's got guns these days. And everybody's got a family to protect. And now we're more than adults. We're all in middle age. And we're sick of everybody's shit. So has it been worth it to lose friends and family members over politics because y'all got Tourette syndrome when it comes to politics? I mean, what's happening now is basically uh, people playing chess with a pigeon. No matter what move you do or what your opponent does, the pigeon's just going to get pissed and shit all over the chessboard. And it started out as roasting, you know, and now it's becoming just straight up picking on people. You know, call Trump a Cheeto. That's funny. But call Barack Obama an Oreo and now all of a sudden you're racist. So why isn't calling Trump a Cheeto being racist? Now, that probably is angering you as as I'm saying these things, and and maybe it should. But you got to understand, you're being the bully that you're trying to preach acceptance over. And it's not going to help anyone. Your jokes and retaliating with the things that uh, you've been picked on by Does that make you feel good? Do you feel better about yourself knowing that you hurt somebody else's feelings? Now, obviously, the president isn't going to care what you say about him. And he's digging his own hole when it comes to uh, making a scene. But the other side isn't exactly doing a bang-up job. In fact, you know, I could go on and on about how both sides have done absolutely stupid things and how neither of them should have been in office to begin with. But, hey, it is what it is. So here's my advice. Being somebody who has been picked on pretty much my entire life to becoming the bully in retaliating It didn't get me any farther than the bullies that picked on me to even the extreme sense where I was retaliating and physically hurting people just because I had been picked on. You don't understand the snowball effect that has. Now, again, I never did this to anyone that didn't deserve it, but say I beat up a guy because he was a dick in Vegas. But then he goes home, having lost a fight, 
and his girlfriend or his wife or God forbid even his kids say something stupid and he pops one of them, smacks him upside the head. Probably wouldn't have happened had I not been a dick to him, even though it was justified. Violence isn't going to solve anything. Anger isn't going to solve anything. And I found outlets to get over things. And it honestly, well, I just used the term that my anger management counselor said to me, get over it. It wasn't that they were right because they were absolutely wrong. But it does seem to be the only option. But what I did is I went back to what made me happy. And that's what you got to ask yourself. you got to find out what truly makes you happy. So the happiest moments of my life were my figures as a kid and Garfield and cartoons. So now as an adult, that's what I do for a living. I draw. I illustrate. I still like to go out and drink, get in some trouble every now and then. But it's in good fun rather than the debauchery that I partake in or used to partake in for, gosh, about I would say I did that for about 15 years. And uh, I learned the meditation side of martial arts and came to peace with myself over a lot of things. And I haven't forgiven my bullies. I haven't forgotten them. But it really makes me mad when I see other people getting bullied. In fact, if anything, I've become more of a protector. Uh, so I do still like doing bouncing gigs or security jobs where I get to protect people that deserve to be protected. Um, but, man, the world's just not the same anymore. Uh, you pretty much just have to stick to yourself, which sucks because, you know, now my experiences have made me a loner and I may have thousands of followers over various social medias, but I have maybe six friends that I could call on if I desperately needed it and know that they'd pick up the phone. Whereas others have a lot more or they hang out with their friends every day after work. Well, you can't do that when you work from home. I don't have an outlet where I can go out and just have a drink with the guys because all my friends are musicians and they travel or all my friends are working and out with their own work buddies. So I became a loner. It just doesn't hurt anybody. I, I don't mind it. But I guess out of the problems that I had listed before where people either become... Uh, Loners, depressed, serial killers, suicidal, antisocial. I guess being a loner is the less of all those evils. So I don't feel so bad about that because it gives me time to create and come up with new things. And even though I love to let loose and get out there and have fun and sort of relive my glory days, I guess you could say, uh, I learned a lot of lessons. And this is another reason why I'm doing these podcasts is because, again, I don't have kids. I don't have uh, a wife or family that I can share these stories with, and I can't be that cool grandpa. It'll never happen for me where, uh, you know, come sit on grandpa's lap. Let me tell you a story of why you shouldn't punch that kid in school. It doesn't matter that he's trying to break your Game Boy or your Wii or whatever the hell the kids have these days. Um so, you know, maybe you've been through these situations. Maybe, you know, you listen to this if you even made it this far and think, holy hell, this guy's got issues. Yeah, well, I do. But I'm not shooting anyone over it. And I'm not shooting myself over it. I learned to make the best of these situations. And honestly, life is pretty good. I live in a very nice house by myself. How many people could say that? I have a brand new car. I've done well enough for myself that I don't need uh, work. Uh, I don't need to look for a day job. 
I actually am self-sufficient in the independent work that I do. And I have a wonderful dog, a wonderful family, and thousands and thousands of collectibles and toys and stuff that remind me of my childhood. Life is pretty good. So I've found my peace. I've found my peacefulness, and uh, I, I feel that I can let the bullies go. But when I see a show like I initially started this episode with, where I see the hurt and pain that someone has gone through, it just makes me sad because I remember what I went through and nobody should have to do that. So teach your kids not to be a bully. Be a trendsetter to where you're not doing what the hashtag says or what your friends are doing. Be a good person on your own volition because that's what society should do. And as an adult, don't act like a damn kid. Enough with the political Tourette syndrome. Just knock it off already. Nobody cares. We're all adults. We should be at that point in our life where if you can't realize someone is having a bad day or a tough time, you know, there's something wrong with you. So, again, be kind to each other. Find something to be positive about. Watch The Secret. I don't know. It worked for me. I try and think of five positive things every time I get sad or every time I get down on myself or anytime something bad happens. I go, all right, dog, house, toys, family, talent. Yep, got it all. That's all I need. Richest man in the world as far as I'm concerned. All right, be safe, be good. This is The Wolf signing out.